Well, everyone has gotten some news they did not see coming, amen? Some news is good, some news not so good, but everyone has had that moment when they've been dealing with the unexpected. I caught the last half of one of my favorite Christmas movies the other day, maybe late, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Anybody there with me? Love that movie. One of the best scenes is when Clark Griswold is receiving that letter that he's been expecting. He's expecting his Christmas bonus, and the entire family is circled around him in anticipation of opening that big check. And he takes a deep breath, and he opens the envelope, and Cousin Eddie said, Well, how much is it, Clark? Clark hesitates. And he says, I got a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. And Cousin Eddie says, that's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. (laughs) Well, Clark didn't handle the unexpected news really well and goes a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and tears his uh, house up in the process. And it makes for a funny movie, but not real life, right? We all react to the unexpected differently. When Joe and I uh, were in his last semester of college and he was finishing up and he was interviewing with companies, uh, he's a coal miner, fourth generation. I knew that he was staying in that tradition, so I started praying for a job, but I expected to move to one of those states that are coal mining states, right? You know. Uh, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Kentucky. I was expecting a job offer from one of those areas, and I was quite shocked when Joe came home one day and said, well, Terry, how would you like to move to Texas? There's coal in Texas? And then I started dealing with the thought of that, and the mixture of feelings started to come up within me, a mixture of excitement and terror of moving so far away from home, and And I wanted to be supportive. I really did, but I was scared out of my mind. I really didn't know quite how to react to this news. Anybody ever been there? Not sure what to do. Well, sometimes the unexpected is something that you will learn to manage and and work through. And sometimes the unexpected is the biggest blessing you would ever hope for. I believe whichever it is, you will be stronger and you will learn something about yourself when you remember God's promise. With God, all things are possible. Can you say that? With God, all things are possible. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, help us to lean into your word today to open our hearts and our minds to what you have to teach us, what you have to say to us. Holy God, I pray that I might be your humble servant today. That the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart might be acceptable to your sight, in your sight. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mary is 13 or 14 years old here. It's really hard for us to even get our mind around that, that she's this teenager. That's my granddaughter's age, 13. 13 or 14 years of age, when she hears this announcement that she will be the mother of the Son of God. 
Now, I was reading this week in preparation for today, and I ran across some writing by uh, Tim Keller. Has anybody ever heard of Tim Keller? He is a pastor and preacher in the Presbyterian kind of um, tribe, and he is um, an author as well. He defines four ways in which Mary teaches us how to face the unexpected. And I want to kind of lean into those today. He says that Mary teaches us reason. She teaches us questioning. She teaches us surrender. And she teaches us how to seek. Now, first century Palestine was not by any means a progressive society, was it? We couldn't call it that by any means, but no matter if you were a Jew, Gentile, or pagan, or whether you were an iron-fisted Roman ruler or an oppressed subject of the Roman regime, there was this unequal social symmetry that happened within the society. In the first century, there were definite haves and have-nots. There were people who were the who's who and people who were definitely who's not. And these were well-known locally. Think of your small town kind of atmosphere. Everybody kind of knows what's going on, who's who, and who's got the means and things like that. So getting on one of the who's not lists had to have some social and political and even life or death repercussions. And it was um, even more dangerous to be on that than it was to be on Santa Claus's naughty or nice list, let me say. In the 21st century, it's hard for us to hear how Mary would have heard this announcement from the angel Gabriel. You see, in society today, it's not a death sentence for an unwed woman to hear that she's going to give birth to a child. And that's exactly what Mary heard. She knew what would happen, or what could happen, I should say. Mary was already on the have-not list. She was the poorest of the poor, and on top of that now, she's going to hear that she's going to give birth to a child, and she knew what that would mean for her family. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. Now this, in our society, what does that mean? It means a promise, right? She's betrothed. She's going to be promised to marriage in Joseph. Now it meant a little bit more back in the time of Jesus. It actually was a contract in a way. And so a betrothal represented a permanent relationship nearly equivalent to marriage. And breaking off a betrothal required a decision akin to divorce. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of being with different families for different things. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to be at an African engagement ceremony um, here in congregation. They were members of our congregation, Esther and Edgar in Chia. They came here to Missouri with their daughter, Victoria, as she was headed into WashU Medical School. And so um, some of you may remember them. And they invited me to be a part of the African engagement ceremony. They came in traditional dress. The young man who was being promised to marriage to Victoria brought gifts to the family. The family then brought gifts in return. There was God's word, music, and celebration. And so this was a wonderful tradition. 
And I can imagine that Joseph and Mary had a similar kind of ceremony in which they were being betrothed to one another. They were not living together yet, but they had had this kind of betrothal, this promise. And Keller notes that we're ill-served by the translation here when Mary begins to wonder what is going on. The word wondered means dialogistico, which means logic, or to reason with intensity. And so she's asking, what kind of greeting is this? Now, even though people of the time had no problem believing in angels, for us to just assume that she would go, oh, that's an angel, I've got to listen, is not giving seriousness to the text here. Because Mary reacts probably the same way we would react. She begins to try to figure out what's going on here. She's deep in reason in trying to understand who this is and what's going on. And she begins to even think theologically, I'm sure, because as a Jew, it would be difficult to understand that the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Joseph, the God that delivers from slavery and bondage, the God of Mount Sinai, the, guy who, the God who, who uh, speaks through a burning bush to Moses, Yahweh would come in human form. And so she's trying to reason through this and think through this. For the human to become divine was not something a Jew would think was normal or rational. So then she moves from that reason to questions. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be asking, Mary, I'd be asking this angel the same thing Mary asked. How is this going to happen? I've not been with a man before, so how is this going to happen that I'm actually going to have a child? And so we immediately see her strong faith in this because I want you to know what she didn't say. She didn't say, you're crazy, or that's impossible, or don't be stupid, I, you know, and didn't just walk away. She listened. She paused, and she listened to what the angel had to say. She seeks to understand you see, the honest doubt and the honest questions within us seek to understand so that we can know more, so that we can be opened up to God's word more. And if Mary had not questioned, if she'd not had those honest doubts about how this was going to happen, we may have never heard the greatest promise in God's word. Nothing is impossible for God. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible for for God. Nothing. That's all she needed to hear. Nothing is impossible for God. That's really all we need to hear. Amen? Nothing is impossible for God. A diagnosis? Nothing is impossible for God. A loss? Nothing is impossible for God. Heartache? Nothing is impossible for God. We need to remember that promise, church. We need to remember it. And Mary teaches us to reason, to question, and then she shows us how to react. She shows us that surrender. You see, N.T. Wright says the one thing that shines forth from this statement and when she says, I am the Lord's servant, let it be with me just as you have said, is that she faces it in humility. In fact, she's the definition of 
humility. She does not respond in the way that most would respond. There's never even a single moment and any suggestion of thought that she thinks, oh, well, you know what? I must be terribly important if all these years God is going to work his purposes through me. No, she doesn't do that. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me. Just have said. She had no idea how it would work out. But she surrendered. She surrendered herself to God and she walked by faith and not by sight. She said, yes, Lord, because she knew God's character. She knew God's love. She knew God is able for nothing is impossible for God. Mar Mary marks for us the attitude of our servant. She shows us how to respond in faith and humility. What is God pointing you toward this Christmas? Is there something that you're wrestling with or maybe God is even pushing you toward that you might respond with, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. I know Joe and I go through internal struggles in how to respond in different situations and sometimes those unexpected things are where the greatest blessings are experienced. Yes, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be just as you have said. And then she teaches us one final thing in this. From reasoning to questioning to surrender, she teaches us in that final moment to seek. Now, we didn't read that today, but the very next scripture says that the first place she goes is to her cousin Elizabeth. She seeks community. She seeks that cousin, that trusted word, that trusted love, a safe place that she can express some of the things that she's going through and she wants to hear what Elizabeth has to say and Elizabeth confirms what has just happened in her life. She says, God has blessed you above all women and he's blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. She confirms to Mary that, that this is her path for her future. And, and they join in worship and praise together. And we heard some of the language in the canticle of Mary as we read that together earlier in the worship and how she praised God for the things that God had done. Did God, why did God choose to come into the world this way? I've often asked that question. Why did God choose to enter humanity through an unwed teenager in a society that it could have meant death? God certainly didn't have to do it this way. But I think it was God's way of saying, look for me in the unexpected. It was God's way of saying, I don't do things the way the world expects, but really, many times, the opposite way the world expects. 
We hear in the scriptures, my power is made perfect in weakness. My will will be experienced in submission. Blessings come in service and humility and sacrifice. The impossible is possible with God. For nothing, say it with me, nothing is impossible for God. God does not follow our expectations. Instead of coming in the usual places such as homes and our churches, God may appear this Christmas on the streets of the city or on a college campus or in a prison. We expect Jesus to come in the familiar and especially in the familiar carols and hymns. We, we expect that and it's something that we long to hear each and every Advent season, but for some, he may come in that way, and yet others, he may come and sound so primitive that we wouldn't even call it music. Or he may come in a place that we would consider unworthy of him coming. The fact remains, God usually does not act in the manner we expect. God works through people, through events and and God works in, you've heard it said, mysterious ways. Who would think that God would come to this world and be born in a barn, a cave really, with excrement all around? God uses the most ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God is using us ordinary people to share love and hope hope that we lit this candle this morning peace and joy and I have a prayer for you this Christmas my prayer is that we too can say I am the Lord's servant let it be with me just as you have said and through faith and humility we can meet God in those unexpected places in unexpected news, in the unexpected life.